Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Limit Up Podcast. Just giving a quick up top note here that this was filmed on YouTube last Thursday, so we're a day behind. So we're talking a little bit about the holiday weekend coming up, but uh, we couldn't get it edited until today. So enjoy this little window into the past, but it's an interesting topic. We're talking about Robin Hood and the Congressional Report, all sorts of good stuff. So hope you stick around. Let's go do this. Good afternoon, friends and traders. Welcome to the Limited Podcast. I'm Dan Hodgman, as always, sitting down with Jack Peltzer. Jack, how are you? I'm doing well, Dan. Um, for those of you listening not on uh, YouTube, uh, Dan's a little echoey because he's in an empty room being empty hunted by room. contractors. Microphone has been packed up. Um, it's the last half hour sitting at this desk. I know we said it last week. I was going to get it, be out of here earlier. Uh, no, today is the end. Uh, another 30 minutes and this desk is packed and I'm out. Well, best of luck there. Why don't you give us a, a market rundown for one last time from from this Geneva desk, one last market rundown after uh, two and a half years working from home. Um, so let's have a little fun with this one. Crude oil is not trading where it was two and a half years ago uh, when I first started working in this office. It is much higher, but we did have a little bit of a down day today. The markets opened up this morning right around settlement price. Um, settlement was rejective, and that market worked its way down to $106, 105 a barrel here today. So some good opportunity to the downside. We like seeing that oil market come down as we approach the uh, biggest travel weekend of the year. And uh, But in reality, we're still trading kind of within a range that we have been seeing for the last few months, um, going back a little while, right after we hit $130 a barrel, we've kind of fallen into this range. We flow from approximately 100 bucks up to about 115. Um, so that's been the range and this market's been steady inside of that. Really for me, um, I'm not seeing any market state change. I think we're sideways for now until we get below the $95 barrel mark. If we get below that, we may have some opportunity. Now talking settlement price equity markets, both NASDAQ and S&P opened up this morning. Below okay. settlement price, made an attempt to go lower. They tried and man, nice moves right up to sales, uh midday and then a little bit of a sell-off from there on. Some good opportunity. Yeah, there was a big then, swing there today. Yeah, really great opportunity. And we do have to touch on, uh, Dan is still in, still in the game as it relates to our $5 bet Jack and I took last week. Um, Jack's got 4,000 in the s and I've got 3,500. We got darn close to Jack's it number. Was, it was looking good. I think what we got as high as uh, uh, 39.44 a few days ago. Um, I got to hurry up because that 50-day moving average in the S&P is rapidly approaching 4,000. And that's going to give me some extra resistance below that. And I can't afford it. Ain't I want that, that five bucks. Ain't I was going to say, true. I have to settle up from those uh, golf course beverages you got me. So I still owe you there. So <laughs> I can't afford to lose this. Well, we can go back to the course and uh, we can settle up that way. Sounds good. Uh, you have gold, though. Gold was the mover here this morning, right after the open. Gold skyrocketed to the moon or almost to the moon to uh, value high from yesterday. Uh, rejected really quickly and rotated right back to where we opened up, well below settlement price. So Really quick, uh, exciting move on the open there. If you're able to take advantage of that, if you were in the long, which I don't know who was, tough to be long um, right on the open when the market is trending lower like that. Uh, but we got a good opportunity for the short after we saw that market reject at uh, value high from yesterday. Next, take a look at the euro. Euro was a steady climb all day long into yesterday's value. Once it accepted inside of there, it held pretty strong. 
uh, did not break below. And then the bonds and 10-year note continue to creep higher. What's that mean, Jack? Yields. Yields, yields, yields. Yeah. So some good opportunity here, not just today, but this whole week. Yeah, no, there's been some uh, swings. Uh, we kind of rejected the first try higher in a while in the markets. I'm still feeling the chop around this area with a little bias towards going higher. I think you're in your downward channel still, so little has changed in the last couple of days. And things yeah. should slow down because in the U.S., we're heading right now into, uh, you know, I'd call this evening sort of the unofficial start of the Independence Day U.S. federal holiday weekend. A lot of people traveling Generally, it's in bad taste to set meetings for tomorrow. So I don't think there's going to be a lot of business being done. Um, so I look for things to slow down until we get back Tuesday and back on the uh, futures train. I think you're spot on. I'm glad, Jack, that you brought this up because I did want to talk about it just from a risk management perspective. Keep in mind the, the institutional guys, what are they doing? They're getting out and they're going for a long weekend. Do it yourself. Get out. Get away from the screens tomorrow and don't think about it on Monday. I know it's strange. We're open on 4th of July for half day in these markets. Don't touch them. Yes, you can. And you totally can if that's really your prerogative. But come on now, get out, enjoy the holiday, enjoy some time away. That's why we trade. We trade. It doesn't take PTO away from you. It's not like you have a certain number of days that you have to, you only get to take off every year. Take the time off. The big institutional people aren't going to be there. And the 90% of the retail is not going to be there. It's going to be quiet. Step away. Yeah, it's really a terrible market, too, for trading outright futures. If you said that I had to trade, you should be trading spreads in something like an environment like that. But if you're just trading you know, outright ES futures or something, there's no strategy that you have that's going to work for that right? It, it, maybe if you had a special holiday strategy, I don't know, but you probably don't because that's kind of crazy, frankly. So stick away from the outrights on Monday, all right? Just yeah, no best kidding. advice you'll get all day. No kidding. Unless you have some massive position on that you have to manage your position, stay away from it all. Yeah, I have, you know, I almost hate saying this, but I have seen people uh, take advantage. I don't know. I haven't done this in years of you know, with those uh, treasury spreads on holiday elopement markets, just because those don't move as much in general. And if you have a couple on, you can really limit. And I don't think we allow people to do this in the trading combine anyway, but, you know, doing a fives, tens spread or something like that, um, those can get really out of whack. But if you're not doing something like that, enjoy yourself, eat a, yeah. uh, a hot dog or something like that. Have a... Yeah. Uh, a cold beer or pop or something like that. I'll do. I'll be doing all of that this weekend. Yeah, I got some golf, some for now, but I'll be switching quickly. You doing the boating? We'll be on the boat quite a bit. Um, I will be playing a lot of golf. Got at least two rounds planned ahead of me, and uh, hey, I'm going to be out of my house, so all is well. Nice. Well, uh, speaking of people that won't be buying boats anytime soon. That'll transition into our main topic today, which is Robinhood, uh, the darling of everything that's gone from a high of about 80 something dollars a share this year to the single digit. And a lot of that has to do with the story that we'll get into today. Now, there are parts of this that will involve futures trading. We'll come back to some lessons here, but I just find this to be a very interesting sequence of events in general. So Dan, I'm going to set this up really quick. 
last Set it week, up, Jack. Paint, paint the picture. Paint the picture. I'm just going to start, and we'll kind of walk our way through this. So last week, the U.S. House Financial Services Committee released a report about the end of January 2021, which was the height of meme stock mania. That's when GameStop went supernova. And uh, specifically, the reason that the House Committee is looking into it is because, as you recall, Robinhood uh, stopped letting people buy certain stocks. You could only close positions. And given that they were, you know, attacking shorts, hedge funds in some of these stocks, there was this thought that um, something nefarious was going on via Citadel. That's how they make their money, right? Robinhood uh, gives order flow to the hedge funds, and that's how you can trade for free on your phone. Now, at the time, I think I was about right where I said it's probably, you know, if there's anything shady going on, I don't think it's that, but it seems like more of a risk management thing. And that seems to be the case, but it was much more interesting than I thought it would be, right? From this report, it seems that, you know, Robinhood nearly blew up that day. Yeah. Yeah. So Dan, did you uh, read through that article I sent you? I did. You know, I'll tell you, it was really interesting reading through the article, Jack. Obviously, we got to talk about margins. We got to talk about the concept of actually what's happening when a customer is buying a stock. I think like understanding the technicals of everything that's happening is really important. So when a customer buys a stock through Robinhood, Robinhood tells, you know, the other side, the stockholder, hey, we have an order. We're going to pay for it at this price. But then there's still a little bit of a delay. And so for that delay before someone comes in and cancels this transaction, Robinhood has to put collateral up or kind of post some margins in case something changes. They have to have those protections. Well, Robinhood thought they had it, but there's a premium. And this is what I found really interesting, Jack, which makes total sense. Um, you know, there's a premium when there's a high volatile stock, i.e. GameStop, AMC, you know, the list goes on and on um, from back during all when this happened. They have to actually pay a premium on top of the money that they're putting up already. And they didn't calculate that. They didn't have the money to put up to cover um, the margins that they had to meet. So imagine well, that getting a margin call as one of the biggest uh, brokerages around. Yeah. So what makes this a little more complicated, the gist of like the article, which was um, Matt Levine from Bloomberg's newsletter, uh, what's it called? Money Stuff is that there was this butting of heads, right? Where Robinhood is a retail, and I don't even mean retail trading, it's a retail business that makes money through, it gets its valuation of its stock through attracting new users. And on one side of the coin, hundreds of thousands of new users, especially after this Elon Musk tweet, there's some amazing like Slack messages back and forth between Robinhood mm -hmm. staff. Um, hundreds of thousands of users were signing up and trading highly volatile stocks. And that made a ton of money for GameStop too, because they have a sliding schedule for the order flows that they give to their uh, market makers, right? So Citadel pays more for the order flow on very volatile stocks. So this was a gangbusters week from that side, but the other side, which Dan alluded to, so you have to post collateral with the clearinghouse. 
And there is uh, one a massive one for U.S. stocks that I'm forgetting off the uh, top of my head. What, what's it called again? NSCC or NS NSCC, I think it was. Yeah, acronym. So basically, they had hundreds of thousands of people trading this single stock. And what they thought was going to be their collateral they needed, it was really like three times that. And we're talking billions of dollars, and you have to have it by tomorrow. It's a margin call. And yeah, they had just for numbers for, for perspective, they had just under 700 million with uh, the clearing firm. They needed to post like another 3 billion, but they only had 1.2 billion to post. So they were short um, almost a billion dollars, right yeah. around a billion dollars. What's well, a few billion between friends. Now, what could have happened is the same thing that's happened in the past to Lehman or MF Global is that if you can't post that cash, the clearinghouse has the ability and it's complete within their rights to liquidate your portfolio, to purge that risk from the market and make sure everything, the pipe, the piping of the financial system stays good. They didn't do this. They arranged with Robinhood and other, they, st they have uh, discretion in this. And I, this has reminiscence of um, the too big to fail era where and it's probably the right decision on their end. This was such an unusual scenario that it probably was not a good idea to liquidate something like Robinhood. That would have caused a complete calamity in the markets at the time. We would have had a full-on crash. Yeah. Well, it, Jack, it's funny you bring that up too because you talked about messages back and forth from some of the team members. That's one of them. They said, well, I think we're just too big to, uh, too big to fail. And they said that could have been, you know, unfortunately the truth. Yeah, fortune. It depends on how you look at it. Right. So this is where I think it bridges into retail trading that you do, futures or whatever else. I think sometimes maybe people don't spend as much time. It's good to understand, and I'm guilty of this too, by the way, to understand sort of the other side of what's going on with settlements and clearing and counterparty risk and stuff like that, especially if you're putting your money into it. Keep in mind if this happened to Robinhood, you gotta be trust. Uh, you gotta trust whatever organization you're putting your money into or paying, because stuff like this can affect anyone. The GameStop stuff was super weird. Nobody had ever seen anything like it. And I think that's obviously what strained the system. But right now, you know, even when I was at the uh, professional trading firms, there would be times where they would shut us down, and say you guys can't trade anymore even if we were below our limits, just because of some issue with the whole firm's position side and margin requirements and things like that. Um, it's something that happens from time to time. And I think that there's not always a nefarious reason. It's just that trading in the financial markets is an inherently risky activity, and you can only mitigate that risk so much. And sometimes you have to do things that purge too much risk from it. And I think, I'm glad you brought this up that it happens at the professional level too. Like I've talked with some of our traders or, you know, something's gone out with their account, frustrated that there's something going on. You know, there are a lot of moving parts or, you know, someone's got their retail account out there and they're not able to execute and they get frustrated. And this happens, to, and I want to point it out, this happens to everyone. 
you know, the clearing firms look at all this stuff and say, hey, something shady here, or hey, not, something might not make sense to me. And it could be something as simple as the guy that set the account up last night is different than the guy that's looking at it this morning, and they do things slightly different. And the guy in the morning looks in and goes, that's not right, lock this account up, and goes ahead and freezes that account out until we, until we can get things figured out because there's so much risk out there. And it's not just their risk, it's the trader's risk too, right? We can talk about when uh, Robin, who was kind of going through this prior to that, we saw the big oil, the oil crash um, in May with the May contract back in 2020. We talk about this idea of futures trading. You can lose a lot more than you actually put up. You know, when the brokerage or the clearing firm comes in and closes you out or the brokerage says, hey, something's off. It's not just protecting them, it's protecting your capital as well. So if we talked, you know, just talking about the idea of like margins and losing crazy with the mm -hmm. futures market, you know, oil went below zero. First off, most a ton of platforms weren't, didn't even have it set up that it could show negative pricing. People were trying to, they saw the dome freeze up at zero. They thought, hey, I'll just keep buying it at zero. You know, they were buying it <clears throat> and they were getting long positions. And then all of a sudden their statement shows, hey, oil settled at minus whatever, $2017, whatever it was. And all of a sudden you're kind of freaking out and then you get the bill. Uh, fortunately, a lot of those firms that did have those issues, and I'm drawing a blank on one of the major firms. Interactive brokers. Yes. He came out and said, hey, don't worry. We're covering this for you guys. That's our fault. Because so $80 million dollars or something. Could you imagine having so much money? It's just like, hey, guys, don't worry. 80 mil, we got that. And not even batting an eye. But like, I read a great story about a guy who, a retail trader who was kind of getting into futures and started trading oil, was doing well. His account was up about 50 or 60 grand over the year, year and a half. He was doing it. He was going, you know, chugging away and bought it at zero. Not thinking because, hey, it stopped. Here's my buy market, my buy opportunity. And it showed him like minus $72,000 when everything settled. And he lost all that money. And, you know, again, good on interactive brokers being able to say, hey, that's on us. Uh, they came through. But that's just a prime example. That stuff can happen. You can take, there's so much risk involved in this. So you think about these margins and you think about, you know, we're talking Robinhood, who we say too big to fail. They're ginormous. They literally quote them. The big thing was, well, our competitors are doing well, but we don't have to worry about that. We have to survive this first. Your number one priority as a firm is always to ensure your survival right from a risk management standpoint and that'll take over if you have to shut down trading if you have to do whatever you should be doing whatever it takes to secure that because that's the only way to keep it safe for everyone mm -hmm. um, point two don't buy anything for zero if it's a couch in an alley there's a reason it's a couch in the alley right it's nothing that you buy for zero is going to be any good um, i ordered uh, a sectional couch on amazon back in the day when i was on the floor twenty dollars they're on amazon for twenty bucks or something like that, or a hundred bucks. I ordered five of them. Everyone was ordering them. And uh, we all thought we were getting these sweet sectional couches for a hundred bucks or whatever it was. Uh, never showed up. Had to get a yes. refund on that. Get back to us on that, Bezos. So, right? Yeah. You did hint on the one thing that I do think was a little bit, I don't want to say, gotta be careful with my words here. One thing that's a little bit shady that I don't think, I think firms should be more honest about situations like that. Because with the Robinhood thing, they 
put out this thing that was just like, this is purely, you know, we're not letting people trade these stocks anymore because it's to protect our traders, essentially. And I think people kind of saw through that. Uh, I think they would have avoided a lot of issues if they had just, and I'll explain why they probably didn't want to do this, but if they had just said something along the lines of like, listen, this is not good for our risk parameters as a firm. We apologize, but we just can't do it. I think that would have put them in a better position. Now, the reason firms, I don't think supplies a Robinhood here as much because it's a unique situation with the GameStop stock and their business plan. Normal firms wouldn't want to do that because that puts blood in the water. And that's what we're seeing in crypto right now, which is where I want to pivot to when you're talking about seeing things that are maybe too good to be true is in the crypto space with all these firms blowing up right now, right before I got on here, I saw that um, some firm purchased BlockFi for uh, $5 million. Dan, do you want to have a guess at what their Series A raise was like a year ago? Probably $100 million. $4.5 billion. Oh my gosh. And they sold it for $5 million. $5 million. So a 99% discount. That's what we call the token. I have a story about this sometime, not for this podcast. I got to clear with some people to tell it, but that, that is the token uh, bid that you just give. I mean, 5 million of these firms, that's just so you didn't take it for free. Yeah, that's exactly, I mean, anyone buying a major company, that was 1.4 and a half billion. Well, you know, what's scary is that I think this maybe same company passed on buying Celsius, which is the other big uh, crypto project that's gone belly up. So think about that for a second. They saw the financials on Celsius and passed and then bought this one for like a 99% discount. That does not bode well for our friends over at Celsius. That's amazing, Jack. Yeah. Five million bucks. How all these things work though, is this comes back to our talk about margin is how all these this is a problem in the crypto space right now where it's supposed to be uh we want to get money out of the banks okay it's a noble thing because the banks are do all sorts of black magic effery right and they right pose everyone in 2008 but there are regulations on banks specifically around uh, capital requirements and like equity that they have and how much they can loan out because the, the business of banks is no different than what these crypto things were doing. You take short-term deposits, pay a little interest on them and then lend out money on longer term debt and collect a spread on it. Right? So these things like Celsius was guaranteeing people like up to 20% a year in interest on deposits with them. And you just got to step back sometimes and think, how, how is that possible? Because well, this is what we talked about a couple of weeks ago, Jack, when we pulled up that video, you know, buying a $1.4 million house for 700 grand because you get the 20% interest. Like it sounds awesome until you actually sit down and start thinking about like, where is this 20% coming from? Like who is creating that? Where's it coming from? And how long-term and realistic can that be? Yeah. Well, with banks, I don't know the exact numbers, but you have to have maybe like 10% equity or something like that, like compared to your assets. So banks are obviously companies that have a huge amount of assets because think what would be an asset for a bank would be 
uh, for all the houses, right? Every mortgage, every, every mortgage, stuff like that. but there are limits on how much they can push that ratio. And they don't really follow the same. I think it's like 10 to one or something like that. But you see these crypto things, it'll be like a hundred to one. Uh, and like a margin loan, like a lot of them are also uns unsecured or under collateralized. And when you are under collateralized, the party's all good while it's going up. Now it's going down. And suddenly that leads to a lot of uh, margin calls, basically. You got to put up more collateral. And I am, as you know, like Bitcoin neutral. I don't really have a long-term opinion. Um, I will say that I'm, I'd be waiting to buy until these firms are done puking and blowing each other up. You know, I'd rather buy it, even if it's at the same price it's now and goes lower, I'd rather buy it at this price again going up than I would right now until there's more clarity. Because I think a few more a few more people are going to the woodshed on this one before it's over. I think you're right. I mean, we're in a, we're it, the crypto world, Bitcoin itself, you know, it's in a downward spiral spiral. And we know why there's so much happening again. There's when you have, you got to think about the demographics and the user base of crypto um, and Bitcoin younger, um, you know, excited about the fast move. They got involved world has changed costs of living has increased where did they put their money hey i have it in crypto i'm going to sell the quarter of a bitcoin i have to pull some cash out to offset this cost or now that i'm traveling again um i'm, I'm going to take that money out and pay for this vacation like the transition has changed i really viewed that huge rally from 21 and 22 or from 20 and 21 really was a hundred percent based on the fact that everyone was kind of cooped up at home, got some stimulus checks, weren't spending money like crazy. Um, you know, the rental market in a lot of places in the beginning of all that was really down. So you could got got a good good rent. Uh, you could go in or you were buying at a good time. Now everything's kind of changed. Cost of living's gone up. Values of homes have skyrocketed. Inflation's up. You know, gas, we talk about that one. That one's up. So people have to go find where that money was. And one of the first places that it's easy to pull out is, hey, this crypto, it was up to, you know, 40,000 a coin. Now it's at 25,000. Uh, I'm going to pull out. And next thing you know, now we're down at 19,000 a coin. Yeah. Um, and people are just kind of peeling out. I don't think it's total fear. I think it's just, hey, I need that cash now. Yeah. I think on an institutional level, there's fear. Maybe that, maybe some of the retail is fine so far, because this is like their version of, 08 in some ways. Like I think another thing that fueled the upside was there was a huge amount of leverage in there, right? People, as long as it was going up, people were taking out loans back with crypto and buying more crypto. And so now you're seeing the reverse of that where, as I said, it goes down, you need to basically sell more crypto. So um, the only, yeah, the only way to pay your loan is to sell more crypto yeah. that you borrowed to buy crypto. What a world. Well, to bring it all around, I guess what you can take back from this is understand what margin is, how your account works, things like that. Uh, never enter into something that seems too big to be true. And also uh, be careful about, especially to the downside, uh, these uh, sort of stop loss waterfalls that happen in something like Bitcoin, where 
things will keep on as it goes lower. We, we want to buy things when they're cheap. And it's counterintuitive to sometimes say, oh, no, this is really bad. It's going to get cheaper because it's just going to trigger every level it hits is going to trigger more sell for selling, right? So just be careful in volatile, uh, in, be careful in volatile environments like that, Dan. Absolutely. You just got to be cautious. You know, when things start to break, you don't have to pick a bottom, wait for that bottom to establish, then look for an opportunity. So like Jack kind of mentioned, even if the market goes lower than it is now, wait and buy it at the same price when it's starting to move up. You want to try and minimize that risk, mitigate that risk as best as possible. Wait for the bottom to establish, create direction back to the upside. There's your opportunity for a long-term buy. And with that, we will send everyone into the long weekend. Maybe you have to work tomorrow. Dan, you probably do. Dan works tomorrow. Yeah, I'll be in a different location though. Ooh, can't wait to see that. Um, I can't so, wait either because I don't know where I'm actually going to set up as an office yet. So oh, we'll, all, well, we'll all find out together. Sounds like fun. So uh, have fun on the boat. Uh, everyone out there, have a great time. Say, stay. Yeah, have a great time. Stay safe. Be careful if you're setting off fireworks. You don't want to end up like JPP, right? Blowing up your hands. Hey, he's a football player, Dan. He uh, blew oh. up his hand. A okay. Few years back, yes, I remember that now. Yeah, you don't want to do that. So be safe no matter what you're doing. We'll see you next week. Namaste and trade well. Thank you for listening to Limit Up. Check us out on topstep.com to learn more about the trading combine. We try and do this every Thursday afternoon live on YouTube. Hope to see you around soon.